is The Guardian. Well, congratulations firstly to all the nominees tonight. I mean, what an extraordinary gathering of great Australians. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land, and this is The Full Story. The 2024 Australian of the Year, I'm proud to announce, is Professor Georgina Long and Professor Richard Scolia. Professor Georgina Long is a medical oncologist. I treat cancer with drug therapies. That does mean that I tend to see the pointy end of cancer. And Professor Richard Scolia is a pathologist. So my role is to diagnose melanoma. They're both co-medical directors of Melanoma Institute Australia. And together, they've dramatically increased survival rates for melanoma. But they also have a personal challenge. They're using their groundbreaking treatment for melanoma on Richard's own terminal brain cancer. Today, the Australians of the Year. It's Wednesday, the 7th of February. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Thank you so much to both of you for joining us and congratulations on winning Australian of the Year. That's so exciting. Thank you. It's a huge honour to be able to um, accept this recognition, accolade on on behalf of our team, actually, that we work at Melanoma Institute Australia and importantly, all the people who have contributed to research to make a difference because you can only make a difference by working together and that includes the people, the patients who actually uh, went on clinical trials or have participated by providing us with blood or melanoma tissue for our biobank, all of these altruistic acts. It's a massive team effort. Yeah, same for me, Jane, just blown away. I can't believe this happened and yeah, well, as Georgina said, we're very proud, particularly of the incredible team that we lead at Melanoma Institute Australia, which is the world's largest melanoma treatment and research centre and um, built over 60 years and that's provided us with a lot of opportunities. So we're very, very grateful to them. 
Well, Georgina, you've described melanoma as the least sexy cancer ever. Why is that? Well, it used to be. (laughs) Well, um, like anything in life, if there's no solution to it, it's not fun to work in. That's how it's perceived. That's not my view. This is just the general human approach to things. Um, You can imagine in melanoma in this country as a pathologist, I mean, for decades it's been interesting, hasn't it, Richard? Absolutely. It's always been interesting for a pathologist. That's Richard's specialty. Get the right diagnosis, make sure the patient's prognosis is more accurately defined. So for decades for a pathologist, melanoma is really interesting. I think for a surgeon it's always been very, very interesting, but for a drug doctor like me, medical oncologist, it was not an attractive cancer to work in about a decade and a bit ago because anything we tried, it's heart, it, it just heart just died every patient. And so um, that's what I mean by unsexy as a medical oncologist, not for other specialties, just for the drug doctor. You know, it just broke your heart every patient because you had no tools. You had no tools in your toolkit no Mm. drugs that you could use. Nothing was improving survival. So you can imagine a drug doctor wouldn't be particularly attracted to just doing melanoma when it's so such a heart sink for the patients. And it's not fun. It's not fun to have to tell people I don't have many treatments and they're not going to work that well. Yeah. I love a story, Jane, that one of the medical oncologists now retired from from the Melanoma Institute telling this story about, you know, he's remember going to this, the the biggest um, cancer conference in in the world called ASCO, 50,000 people there, and he would meet with about 10 people in a corner room to talk about the clinical trials of melanoma because they weren't working. And now Georgina speaks at this meeting and there's, 30,000 people in the audience listening to what she wants to present on melanoma and it's changing many other cancers. It's Australia's cancer. We have the highest incidence. It was the least sexy cancer. Something had to give and change. There was solutions to be found. That was my attitude and that's why I went into it. But I remember this tiny room and there was only about uh, probably 80 of us in this room and I came back so excited. It was one of the very early immune therapies and I remember saying to the head of department at the department I was working in, oh, you just have to see this drug. It's going to change cancer. I'm sure of it. We're on to something new here. This was a massive new way of treating cancer and that's using your immune system, not the drug itself. The drug stimulates the immune system and your own immune system kills the cancer. Ten years ago, most people who had advanced stage metastatic melanoma were dead within within a year. Less than 5% of people were alive a year later. But because of clinical trials that Georgina's led in immunotherapy, now more than 55% of people are alive at um, five years. So, you know, pushing boundaries to really make a difference in, in melanoma. But what's happened now is that some of these discoveries are now used in, in other cancers. So, yeah, I, I, I think um, Georgina and the whole team can be very proud of what they've done in that in that space. And look where we are now, you know, so many years later and you've both won Australian of the Year for all of the pioneering research you've done in this previously unsexy cancer field. When you accepted the award, you you said that we need to stop glamorizing having a tan and you pointed out this is a cultural problem that we have in Australia. So, how do we go about changing the way people think about this issue going forward? Well, melanoma is a 
as a major public health problem in Australia. We've got the highest incidence of anywhere in the world. One Australian's diagnosed every 30 minutes, still despite these incredible discoveries that Georgina and her colleagues have made, one Australian still dies every six hours from this disease. In fact, it's the commonest cancer in 20 to 39-year-olds in our country. And the vast majority of melanomas are caused by ultraviolet irradiation from the sun. So so there's nothing healthy about a tan. A tan is actually skin cells in trauma from overexposure to ultraviolet irradiation from the sun. So we, we think that advertisers, social media influencers need to take immediate action. We must stop glamorising tanning. We need to rethink the campaigns that are done by these people and, and the content they put out. And for our fellow Australians, if you see something like this where tanning is glamorised, please call it out and demand change. You've said that your mission is to reach zero deaths from melanoma. What do you think it'll take to reach that goal? It's got to be a multi-pronged approach like any big complex problem. One step, the first major step that would be the most impactful is focusing on prevention. Yeah. Sun safety needs to be given equal status to seatbelts, helmets, and needs to be ingrained within sports, but also schools and and workplaces. We need to love our sunburnt country, but without the sunburns. Mm -hmm. We also, to get to our goal of zero deaths from melanoma, need to instigate a targeted melanoma screening program, like already exists for breast cancer and bowel cancer, by doing screening on patients who are at higher risk of developing melanoma. Next, Professor Richard Scolia becomes a test case for an experimental cancer treatment. Hey, Jane Lee here with a quick note about The Guardian. As you probably know, Guardian Australia's journalism is editorially independent, which means we set our own agenda. We don't have a billionaire owner, we don't answer to shareholders, so we're free from commercial bias. And this independence matters because it means we're able to challenge the powerful and hold them to account. Unlike many news organisations, we haven't put up a paywall. We chose a model that means our reporting is open to everyone and funded by our readers and listeners who can afford to pay. Every contribution, whether big or small, counts. So if you're able to support us, head to theguardian.com forward slash support full story. There's also a link on the full story page. Thanks. 
Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. So we've talked a little bit about your professional work in melanoma, but Richard, your work in melanoma has become a more personal story for you in recent times. Are you able to tell us a little bit about the cancer that you were recently diagnosed with? So eight months ago, I was in Poland lecturing. I had a seizure and was subsequently diagnosed with a type of brain cancer called IDH wild-type glioblastoma, Mm. which is basically incurable and the treatment for it hasn't changed in 20 years. So I was obviously devastated, heartbroken to have this diagnosis thrust upon me. Um, Yeah, I love my life. I love my family. I love my work. I'm not ready to die yet. Mm. And, yeah, it, it, it threw a spanner in the works, you might say. And um, with standard therapy, yeah, it, it, it didn't sit right. And when my wife Katie and I got home, um, Georgina actually met us out at the airport and put on the table, do you want to have a, have a crack at using what we call neoadjuvant immunotherapy, which means giving combination immunotherapy before the tumour was, was removed? And, yeah, for me this was, was well, I always say it's a no-brainer, but it just made perfect sense because we'd proven in melanoma the, these therapies are much more effective when given before the tumour is resected in people who've got stage three melanoma. So um, let's go down that route. And, and that's what we've done so far. Mm. We took a few risks as we, as we went along and it took a little bit of time to get the neuro-oncology team on board. But um, we did that, I guess, partly through letters that my wife Katie and I put together to say that we understood the risks and um, potential side effects and, and potential benefits of doing this. And thankfully, um, Georgina and I have worked with a neurosurgeon called Brenda Shivalingam for more than 10 years, and that's the long and the short of it. One of the things that happened was normally for brain cancer, what you do is a a needle core biopsy to make a diagnosis of brain cancer. Then soon afterwards, you debulk the tumour, remove as much as possible without causing major functional deficits to you. And as a pathologist, I know the importance of getting enough tissue to be able to do the sort of research that we do. So instead of the core biopsy, I came on board about doing a craniotomy, so opening my brain up to get, get us enough tissue to be able to do research, to be able to compare my brain tumour before I had the immunotherapy with what it looked like afterwards. And we made some remarkable discoveries. The treatment plan you agreed to be part of meant that you were um, agreeing to be a test case, essentially, for a world-first experimental therapy, uh, which leverages a lot of the research that both you and Georgina have done in this field. So uh, how did you both together weigh up the risks and the potential benefits of of doing this? I mean, you say it's a no-brainer, but I imagine it was incredibly difficult to do. I think that there was... um... Yeah, obviously some risk that the neuro-oncology community, they weren't using immunotherapy really at all or not not very much. It hadn't really been tried. And um, 
they voice to us that this could potentially kill you more quickly or it could provide you with side effects which will make your life miserable for the rest of however long you you stay alive. So, yeah, there's obviously some risks associated with it, but Georgina's treated more patients with immunotherapy than any doctor in the world. Myself's been involved in the trials that have been done with immunotherapy. So weighing these things up together, we didn't consider them as great as what people were concerned about. Do no harm is a, is part of a, a doctor's sign-in, but the risk-benefits seem to seem to fit for, for me anyway to, to go down this route and Georgina and my wife Katie. In the background, so while Richard was in Poland, those first few days when I was still in Sydney, we spent a lot of time talking to the neuro-oncology community around the world and reading papers. So that first week I was arranging meetings with people from all around the world and although there was a lot of fear, when I presented to them what I was thinking of doing and said, if it was your brain, if it was your partner, if it was your good friend and... Mm. All of them said they, they, they were tentative. They went, yeah, that's what, well, uh, yeah, yeah, that's how they'd respond. It'd be good to try this. But their, their concern was leaving the tumour there for longer than they would normally do that. Normally when someone's first diagnosed with a brain tumour, they have the surgery immediately basically, Mm -hmm. Um, often because they have quite severe symptoms. So they might have big seizures that are going on and on or weakness down one side. And so therefore it does need to be removed quite quickly. Brenda also pitched in at the time that the neurosurgeon, if we delay that the surgery for a number of weeks after the immunotherapy, a 30% of patients' tumour takes off and will never be able to operate and We all have a red rover. So that was the main concern, that and the fact that immunotherapy could cause problems and more complications. But the truth is we put a lot of effort of getting the science. We we knew in melanoma, but learning the science in glioblastoma and seeing where there were actually holes, where there were no answers that needed to be filled. And the good news is because of Richard's experience, and we it is early days, we don't know, we're at eight months, and it may not, it's unlikely to cure Richard. I think Richard and I both are aware of that. But mm. it's a foundation from which we can make change. We know in melanoma it works a lot, lot, lot better If we took two patients side by side, gave one of them immunotherapy, then removed their tumour, or the other one where you remove the tumour first and then give the immunotherapy, guess what? The ones who get it first do nearly 50% better. So we applied that science as well. Not everyone's going to have a good result. They will not. I I can say that for sure. We know that in cancer. But at least we then have a foundation on which to make change for the future. Can I just add two other things? One is for for this sort of tumour, it's different to melanoma. The problem with this sort of um, brain tumour is it's got these tentacles that creep off everywhere throughout your brain and you can never remove it all with surgery or radiation therapy. If you did try and remove it all, you'd 
you'd be in big trouble. So we've got to find a therapy that can select out the tumour cells but leave your normal brain cells alone. And that's why Georgina's immunotherapy is is so attractive to, to go and, and do it. Georgina said we don't know whether it, it works or not, but we have shown through the laboratory team that she mentioned that we saw some incredible results. So when we compared my brain tumour before the immunotherapy to after it, we saw incredible and unexpected results. There was a 10 times increase in the number of immune cells within the tumour. The types of immune cells that were present were activated to fight against the tumour. And lastly, the immune cells were attached to one of the drugs that Georgina administered into me. So while this doesn't show that I'm going to live longer or it's a great outcome, it certainly is promising and it's blown open the brain cancer field all around the world. It's incredible. And I do take your point, it's early days, but that does sound very promising. And it's a a courageous contribution to this particular field of research. I mean, what is your hope for this treatment in the future? Obviously, my hope is that I'll be cured, but what are the chances of that happening? They're pretty low, but um, hopefully my life will be prolonged. And I'd feel fortunate that I've gone now eight months since my um, since the diagnosis was made. And I think I've still got a few um, brain cells working up there. So I, I'm enjoying what I can of my life and I hope it lasts for as long as possible. Absolutely. You're talking more and more about melanoma, using your platform as Australians of the Year to try to get out and and get people to rethink this illness. What is it that excites you most about the year ahead as Australians of the Year? What What are you hoping to do in this year? I would really, well, we, but I'll speak for for I and then let Richard speak for himself as well, Um, bring the nation together is a really important part of this because at the moment in the world there's so much unrest. We've got the, you know, wars, a lot of political unrest in many, many countries. Um, And so bringing us Aussies together is really important as a nation. I love this country so much. We really are a lucky, lucky country, and that's not just lip service. And cancer is something we can come together on and we can do something about. So making a real difference together, working as a team and uplifting our nation and how we feel about ourselves is just fantastic, and I hope we make a difference in that way. Mm, I'm sure you will. Richard? I totally agree with Georgina's comments and I think I'd add um, something we talked about before. But We think that we also need to be think big, be bold, be courageous and work together and, and this is how we grow individually, also as communities and as a nation and we shouldn't let fear hold us back. And no matter what life throws at you, seek out opportunities to contribute, to participate and to action change. So have a crack and don't just lean in, leap in. That's what we need to do across all fields, not just in medicine, but the whole of society. Thank you so much to both of you for all the work you've done um, and and taking the time to talk to us about it today. I I feel very honoured to be able to speak with you today. So thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Jane. Thanks, Jane. Professors Georgina Long and Richard Scolia are the co-medical directors of Melanoma Institute Australia. 
To find out more about them, you can read my colleague Daisy Dumas' article on their moving acceptance speech at the Australian of the Year Awards. We'll post a link to that on the Full Story page. This episode was produced by Alison Chan, sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo. The executive producer of Full Story is Hannah Parks. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe or follow Full Story wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also leave us a review. I'm Jane Lee and I'll catch you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.